Season 4 of the Probe Dental Podcast is presented by Oral-B. Oral-B is the worldwide leader in the over $5 billion brushing market. Part of the Procter & Gamble company, the brand includes manual and electric toothbrushes for children and adults, oral irrigators and interdental products such as dental floss. Oral-B, the brand that pioneered the electric toothbrush and connected brushing, recently unveiled its most revolutionary technology to date, the Oral-B-I-O. An unprecedented advancement of the brushing experience, Oral-B-I-O sets a new industry benchmark, representing inspired research that elevates user expectations in experience, technology, design and performance like never before. Oral-B-I-O strikes the right balance between effectiveness and experience and reimagines how a brush performs, cleans and feels. Oral-B-I-O is the result of six years of dedicated research with dental professionals to ensure people have the best possible oral health outcomes at home. The brush offers a unique blend of innovative features such as a linear magnetic drive and redesigned brush head to deliver superior oral health. Oral-B works very closely with dental professionals and it is very proud to sponsor this podcast. And we here at the Probe Dental Podcast would like to say a very special thank you to Oral-B as well. Hello everybody and welcome to season 4 of the Probe Dental Podcast. We're very glad to be back and special thanks to Oral-B for sponsoring this series. Very grateful to them. And today we've got a very, very good guest for you. We've got Ian Dunn joining us. Uh, Ian qualified from Leeds University in 1998 and went into general dental practice uh, in North West. 2001 he was awarded membership of the FGDP. Uh, and in 2002, he joined teaching staff at Liverpool Dental Hospital in the periodontology department, which is where he specialises. Um, he then went on to become the undergraduate teaching lead in periodontics and a senior clinical teacher in periodontics, a role he held for five years until leaving that position in 2018. In 2010, he completed his MSc in periodontology, and in 2013, he was admitted to the GDC specialist list in periodontics. As you can tell, he has a specialism. We're going to talk about it today. Uh, he's also the perio lead for FGDP uh, and runs their short course in periodontics and leads the perio components of FGDP's restorative diploma. He spends three days a week currently in private practice in the northwest of England, where he takes referrals for all aspects of periodontology. He is also the BSP's regional representative, that's the British Society of Periodontology, their regional representative for Merseyside and Cheshire. And he also serves on their council as commercial liaison officer. In 2014, he was also elected to the BSP faculty. He joins us here today. He's going to talk to us about the buzz currently surrounding perio and dentistry uh, regarding the BSP's S3 treatment guidelines based on the European Federation for Periodontology's S3 guidelines. He's going to talk us through those. Very excited for you to hear this conversation. So here he is, my conversation with Ian Dunn. Hi there, Ian. How are you doing? Hi, James. Yeah, good, thank you. Nice to see you. So, and, and so you've had a bit of a busy day. Um, was it a half seven start? Yeah, busy, busy morning in clinic this morning and uh, managed to escape for, for an hour this afternoon to do this with you. So uh, this is a nice nice welcome break for me. Thanks very much. 
Fantastic. Well, um, we're glad to have you here. And I mean, could you tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and and what you currently do? I, I think I guess you wear a few hats at the moment. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm a specialist periodontist. I'm primarily based in in referral practice. Uh, I've spent most of my career in practice. I was a general practitioner for the first half of my career, and then the last probably decade or so, me being in referral practice and specialist practice. Um, I have had a hospital job as well. I was um, undergraduate perio lead at Liverpool for a few years. Uh, I did 18 years in all at Liverpool, just on a part-time basis. And then I do quite a lot with the British Society of Periodontology. I'm on their council, uh, where I'm their commercial liaison officer. And when I'm not doing all of that, I, uh, I run courses all over the country. It used to be with a colleague called Phil Hour, who many of will have heard of who were listening to this. Um, through a company called Perio Courses, but uh, he retired just before the pandemic, actually. I don't know how the guy managed to time it so well. <laughs> um, and uh, I've now taken over that. And like I said, we run courses all over the country and for the FGDP and a number of different organisations. It's, it's good. For, it's a varied life. It's good fun. How, how has the um, pandemic affected that? Um, the teaching element's been really difficult. I mean, I'm sure all the dentists will know Clinically, it's been a challenge, but most of us are back to some sort of normality. But the teaching's been really difficult because a lot of what we do is face-to-face. Um, we do lots of surgical training, so it's sort of hands-on courses, and that that obviously took a huge hit last year. Um, but in the last probably couple of months, we're just seeing them coming back online, and we're, we're actually having face-to-face, just reduced numbers. But uh, there seems to be a real hunger out there for, for getting back to face-to-face teaching, which is which is great because as much as all this stuff is great fun, there's nothing better than the human interaction. So No, there's not. I mean, yeah, there really isn't a substitute. I mean, it's, the convenience is great, I think, for, you know, kind of being able to sit in your own home and either meet like we are currently or, or to take part in a lecture. But as you say, it's it's not quite the same, is it? No, I think I think the, this type of technology is great for short soundbite stuff, and then even the the, the the online platforms are great. But when you're delivering whole day programs, it, it, it's really quite challenging. So uh, no, the face to face is is a welcome return. Oh, definitely. Well, hopefully sooner rather than later. You know, who knows? By the time people are listening to this, perhaps the vaccination program would have hit three quarters of us, and we'll yeah, I mean, what again. a truly remarkable that's been so far i mean whilst there's lots of things they may not have done brilliantly the the vaccine rollout is truly tremendous anyone who's, who's worried about the vaccine I, I would encourage you all just to, to to get on with it and take it and uh, yeah we hopefully help us out of this mess i take it i mean obviously at the time of speaking right now i haven't had the vaccine obviously I, i'm not eligible yet but i take it you have as a frontline worker yeah i had the um i had the astrazeneca vaccine probably middle of january i'm due the second dose any any time now really i'm sort of waiting for my email um other family members have had the pfizer yeah we we basically get what we're given and we're very grateful so oh, fantastic so yeah i could see there's no no visible side effects at least <laughs> so we'll keep fingers crossed not, not unless you count gray hair but i think i had them before the vaccine so are oh, you preaching to the choir there um so, um, obviously, we're here today to talk about um, you know a bit of buzz and you know perio around the S three treatment guidelines. So that was the British Society of Periodontology have released those based on the European Federation of Periodontology's S three guidelines. Is that correct? 
Yeah, that's right. There's been a little bit of confusion over that, I suppose, and it's, it's quite, I, I sort of welcome the opportunity to clarify it. Um, many people will have heard of the European Federation of Periodontology. It's sort of an, an overarching body that's made up of all the individual member countries. So the, it, I suppose it's a bit like the EU and the, and the, the, the member states within the EU. Um, the last the people may have heard of the EFP because they did the World Workshop, the reclassification of periodontal disease back in 2017 with the American Academy of Periodontology. Well, off the back of that classification, that, that classification was basically how we diagnose perio. What the EFP have now looked to do is put together a series of working groups that then produced what is known as the S3 treatment guidelines. We've got the diagnosis once. This is about how we treat disease. And I think this S3 thing people don't truly understand. The S3 is it's a, based on a medical model. It's, the, um, it's sort of an international guideline production standard. So this is used across medicine, cardiology, you know, renal disease, whatever it may be. And what it effectively is, is a series of systematic reviews, but then it's backed up with expert consensus opinion. So you've got, you've got not just the hardcore science, but also the experts coming together and actually looking at how valid is the science, how strongly do they agree or disagree with anything. Um, and the, the really nice thing about this S3 guideline is they've just basically broken it up into four very simple working groups for perio. So we've got four stages, which is stage one, which effectively looks at oral hygiene instruction and behavior change. Then we've got stage two, which looks at non-surgical therapy. Uh, stage three looks at retreatment and or, or surgical management of disease. And stage four looks at supportive care. So it gives you a step-by-step -step, uh, sort of approach to managing periodontal disease. So out of the four steps, yeah, which one would you say is the most crucial? Um, I suppose the, the four steps are a bit like a jigsaw, really, and the, the, the picture's not complete without all of the parts. I suppose it's worth just acknowledging when we're talking about this that most patients, uh, you know, the majority of patients will only ever really need stage one, two, and four. Not every patient needs stage three, which is predominantly surgical management. I think for me, um, when you look at the four stages, stage one has to be the most important because without the behavior change by the patients and the improved oral hygiene and the risk factor reduction, stages two, three, and four are, are largely irrelevant. Um, so for me, stage one, patients taking responsibility for their disease improving their oral hygiene, avoidance of risk factors, uh, there's no doubt that has to be the most important bit. And I, I do think we're, we're quite lucky these days with the, the technology we've got to support us with the sort of oral hygiene risk factor management approach because we've got the benefit of all our interdental gadgets and gizmos and we've got things like the, the powered toothbrushes, the oral B range that, that we tend to favor and push our patients towards. You know, that technology really allows patients to raise their game when it comes to, to oral hygiene. Um, I particularly like the Oral-B because of the small head and the patients tend to have a, a more focused tooth by tooth clean. And we tend to find it really engages our patients to, to, to raise the bar really. Um, I'm, I'm always conscious when we start pushing electric toothbrushes to our patients that we can be criticized that it's a bit ivory towered, that not everyone can afford 
powered brushes now that I do accept that and we can teach patients to clean with with manual brushes um, but you know the the, the, the oral B range starts at about 20 pounds so for many patients it is a choice whether they buy one of these things or not um, and we always tell patients saving their teeth is always cheaper than replacing them and so anything that prevents tooth loss or tooth damage has to be worth the investment not not everybody needs the it is quite amazing the new oral bio that the top of the range brush as much as or would love me to tell you that's the one to get <laughs> their whole range is truly fantastic that rotating oscillating head as what you know it's been shown to be better than than all of the powered brushes in in studies um anecdotally what we're seeing with our patients who have invested in the io is that they're loving the technology link to the app um and they're almost getting competitive with themselves on their oral hygiene and showing us with their app uh, just how much better they're doing from the previous appointments. It's, it's been quite funny to watch them engage with the technology. Uh, so you've had patients engaging with that technology, kind of recording, I guess, like, their, is it their progress as such? Um, yeah, sort of. Well, the, the IO apps, the, the IO has technology within the brush that links to an app on your phone and it, it maps. Uh, very accurately, accurately where you're cleaning, so it knows that you're brushing the cheek side of the upper teeth or the tongue side of the the lower teeth, um, and it can tell you where you've not spent enough time. It, it's quite it's quite a remarkable jump in app technology, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and the patients, you know, I've had patients who've got their phone out to show me how they're hitting 100% coverage, whereas before they were only hitting 60%. And for all the training I'd given them, it seems to be, they seem to be taking instructions from their brush rather than me. I suppose, I mean, you know, the technology there is, so, as you, if you say it's that accurate, it's telling you exactly where to brush. I mean, are, are you seeing the results when you look inside their mouths? We certainly see, I mean, with our established patients, we've already got them into, into fantastic habits. And so what we tend to find is just when we get new patients engaging, those who do invest in the technology just seem to adapt that a little bit quicker. Um, again, I wouldn't want to be too ivory tired and say that we can't engage patients without the app because we can get patients to clean with, with um, relatively inexpensive manual brushes. But it's just been... It's been almost amusing to watch the patients come in and, and almost like a badge of honour wanting to show off that they've now got this 100% coverage um, because the, the, the app records uh, over a period of time and sort of um, almost lets them know where they're failing and wh how they've done each on each every single brush. So, yeah, it's been, it's been quite amusing. Patients getting, like I say, competing with themselves, which is quite funny. So in, in periodontology, essentially you're saying step one is the most important, uh, training the patient. So essentially prevention is the most effective form of treatment? There's no doubt. Yeah. I mean, prevention has to be the way we go. We, we've spent too long in the UK working with a disease model of treatment where, you know, we, we fix the problem after it's happened. And that really has been a, a, a flaw in dentistry for, for way too long. As much as we're very good at treating disease, prevention of disease has to be the future. Um, it's it's the most cost-effective way to manage a problem. If we can prevent it becoming established, if we can prevent it needing non-surgical intervention or even surgical intervention, then periodontal management becomes very, very cost-effective. Um, and it is in the hands of the patient most of the time. It, it's oral hygiene, it's lifestyle choices. Um, 
yeah, there's there's no doubt prevention has to be it. And the same, you know, with I know we're here talking about teeth at the moment. Later in the year, we're going to have the S4 guidelines that looks at more advanced disease and also peri-implantitis. You know, peri-implantitis is such a difficult disease to manage. Uh, and, and I think it was Yepsen who said that prevention, primary prevention is the key factor for preventing peri-implantitis. So we've got to think of these things a bit more holistically, I think. Right. So as, as a patient, um, what would you recommend to me in terms of prevention? Like, What should I be doing? Obviously, I've, I've switched to an electric toothbrush. What else should I be doing? Okay. I mean, there's some very, very simple messages in periodontology when it comes to um, disease triggering and progression of disease. So immaculate oral hygiene. So your new all singing, all dancing IO toothbrush sounds great. Um, we'd want you to be cleaning incidentally between your teeth with something, whether that be floss or incidental brushes. That just depends on whether you can can access the space. If it's tight, you should be flossing. If not, you should. You should if, it, if there's a bigger space than incidental brushes, uh, the single biggest modifiable risk factor after oral hygiene is smoking. And we've got very, very clear evidence uh, of the impact, the negative impact that smoking has, has on periodontal disease. So clearly avoiding smoking. And if you're a smoker, then quitting smoking. We know that that is beneficial to patients' ongoing periodontal health and treatment outcomes. And then there are other things like lifestyle. So just general you know, eating properly, weight management, the, the, uh, diabetic control, diabetes, the unstable diabetes is the sort of second biggest modifiable disease risk factor when it comes to periodontal management. Uh, we know that if patients have unstable diabetes, they also tend to, uh, or it becomes more difficult for them to manage their periodontal disease. One thing I'm always asked when I go to the dentist is about alcohol and you know, how many units I have on average a week. Does does alcohol come into it at all as well? Does, is that part of the diet, the nutrition side of it? The alcohol question is an interesting one, to be honest. We often get asked this on our courses. Um, there's minimal evidence for the impact of alcohol on periodontal disease. If we look at some of the work from Ian Chappell, he actually shows that, that certain alcohol in low volumes or red wines can actually have a mild anti-inflammatory effect. Uh, but like anything, if you have it in excess, then it can start to have a negative impact. Um, and clearly, if you're too drunk to brush your teeth, then you, that will obviously have an impact <laughs> on periodontal disease. So, uh, but it's it certainly, it, it's not a risk factor in the same way that smoking would be considered a risk factor. Okay. So there's a little bit of good news for everybody. That's, that's, good, that's good to know during the everlasting lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. So uh, obviously there are lots of recommendations at the moment within the new S3 guidelines. Does that mean perio is very complicated to treat? Um. I think in, in you know extreme cases, so patients with really severe disease or multiple medical issues, then perio disease can be reasonably complex. Certainly the sort of cases that we're sent in secondary care, yeah, we, it, it can be more challenging. But really, I, I would say it's quite the opposite. Perio is really simple to treat. And there's some very, very basic, simple messages that really come out of the, of the S3 guidelines. You know, stage one, the, the evidence is very clear. Clean your teeth, avoid smoking uh, and diabetic control if you are on that spectrum for diabetes. You know, stage two, clinicians should be providing really thorough, meticulous, you know, non-surgical treatments. 
And the evidence is so clear that non-surgical management of periodontal disease really can resolve the majority of periodontal disease problems. And then stage four, which is the ongoing supportive care. And so, it, you know, it's brush your teeth, don't smoke, control your diabetes, have good quality non-surgical treatments, and then follow that up with ongoing lifetime support. That is the basic message. And, and it's a small number of patients who will need step three or stage three, which is that surgical approach. And so, um, you know, obviously step one is for prevention and step four is for ongoing care. Does that mean that uh, elements of steps four and one kind of bleed into each other? Like, um, obviously, prevention would be part of ongoing care. Yeah, there's no doubt. Once we've stabilised disease, which forms our, part, our stage one and oh, sorry, step one and step two, um, we then obviously need to prevent future disease. So whilst we're still dealing with a diseased patient, we are dealing with a stabilised patient. And so, yeah, absolutely. Step four is all about maintenance and prevention of future deterioration. So, yeah, they, they are similar in concept. I suppose the big difference with step one is it's very patient-focused, so it's the patient behaviour change, uh, improving oral hygiene, managing their risk factors, whereas step four is probably a little bit more of a team effort where the patient is doing their thing, but it's with the support of the clinician together with um, professional intervention, so mon measuring, monitoring, and actual clinical treatment intervention. Right, okay. So for anybody listening, you know, clinicians or, or anyone else, uh, who wants to find out more about the S3 guidelines? Where can they where can they look and and where can they also find out a bit more about yourself, Ian? Um, so the S3 guidelines, there's, there's two things to look out for. If you Google the, the S3 guidelines, you'll be taken to the EFP original documents, uh, and they're on open access, and you can read the original papers. Uh, but also, I would encourage you to have a look at the BSP website, so the bsperio.org.uk. There's a whole resources section there together with a few webinars uh, that look at the UK implementation of the S3. Uh, it's really, really comprehensive page on the website. Uh, regarding my stuff, if anyone's interested in courses, then you can go to my teaching website, which is periocourses.co.uk. Fantastic. We'll make sure to include all of those links in the episode description. So wherever you're listening, you can find those click on them there. Um, but no, thank you very much for joining me, Ian. I really appreciate it. And uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to you and, and have you here on the podcast. That's great. Thanks ever so much for your time, James. Take care. Season four of the Probe Dental Podcast is presented by Oral-B. Oral-B is the worldwide leader in the over $5 billion brushing market. Part of the Procter & Gamble company, the brand includes manual and electric toothbrushes for children and adults, oral irrigators and interdental products such as dental floss. Oral-B, the brand that pioneered the electric toothbrush and connected brushing, recently unveiled its most revolutionary technology to date, the Oral-B I.O. An unprecedented advancement of the brushing experience, Oral-B I.O. sets a new industry benchmark, representing inspired research that elevates user expectations in experience, technology, design and performance like never before. Oral-B I.O. strikes the right balance between effectiveness and experience and reimagines how a brush performs, cleans and feels. Oral-B.I.O. is the result of six years of dedicated research with dental professionals to ensure people have the best possible oral health outcomes at home. The brush offers a unique blend of innovative features such as a linear magnetic drive and redesigned brush head to deliver superior oral health. Oral-B works very closely with dental professionals 
and it is very proud to sponsor this podcast. And we here at the Probe Dental Podcast would like to say a very special thank you to Orby as well. <laughs>